0: Hello and welcome to this edition of the Powder Blue Podcast. There is baseball this week as we sit here to record this. In fact, you might be listening to this on a day there is baseball. Opening day is Thursday. Phillies begin their play on Friday and we have baseball to talk about. Frank Close here along with Hunter Brody and Jeff Mosher. Gentlemen, how does it feel to know that there is baseball this week? Beautiful. Beautiful.
1: Yeah, I think it's tremendous. I mean, I'm sitting here with a notebook breaking down Zach Wheeler and Vince Velasquez's cutter. I mean, this is just unbelievable stuff.
0: And we got a little taste of it over the weekend with some exhibition games. Uh, even a little bit better than some of those uh, scrimmages that have taken place in in the last week or so. They're they're kind of funny in their own. Uh, watching uh watching players switch teams and then taking a bat and then walk and then come back to the plate because they they didn't like that. They didn't get to swing the bat. So uh, all that fun is going to be over and there's going to be a real Phillies game on Friday as the Phillies take on the Marlins at home. But there's a lot to talk about because there's an actual baseball season beginning, right? We're not worried about any labor disputes. We're not worried about this or that. We can talk baseball and there's a lot of that to, to really break down, but uh, I want to start first by talking about the, the Philadelphia Phillies pitching rotation, right? So we've seen a lot of good stuff over the last week or so, and, and even dating back to spring training. Now, Ranger Suarez is unfortunately still on the injured list. We don't have an update on Ranger Suarez and how he's doing. Hopefully he's doing well and and progressing along nicely. But even outside of Ranger Suarez, there are seven starting pitchers right now on this Philadelphia Phillies roster that could be starters for the Phillies. So, why don't we take a moment to break that down a little bit? Now, the, the the man of the hour, yeah, there's boring old Aaron Nola, right? You know, opening day starter once again. I don't I don't know if there's much to talk about Aaron Nola, but the big name so far this spring training has been none other than Vince. Velasquez, Why is it, Hunter, that everybody's talking about Vince Velasquez all of a sudden?
1: Well, it's got to be that cutter, right? The cutter. We got a little change-up action as well. Don't be afraid to throw the curveball in there. I just feel like as much as I jokingly love this, am I doing it again to myself? Am I doing it again to myself? Are we going to see him a couple starts in and go, yep, that's exactly what he has been over the last couple years?
2: Well, uh, there's... Part of that, Hunter, but I, I think there are two things that kind of changed the Vince Velasquez dynamic here. Uh, one is that you know a year or two ago, or even three, we saw what Vince Velasquez had both positive and negative, and it was always weighed in the context of can can he be a number two pitcher? Can he be a number three? But now that you've got Arietta here and hopefully healthy, and now you have Zach Wheeler, what we're talking about with Vince Velasquez is can he be an efficient fourth or fifth starter? Which in today's baseball is not all that difficult to be. You just have to be kind of an average pitcher, which Vince has basically been. I think we've already answered the question about whether we'll ever see him be a one, two, or a three. And the second part of that I'll say is that I don't believe in miracle workers, but I do believe that Girardi and Brian Price uh, bring, and I've talked about this a lot of podcasts. I think they just bring not just professionalism, but respect. uh, um, They're masters at their craft. And I do think as we talk about the Velasquez cutter, Um, that could help him become a little bit more efficient of a pitcher. I don't think he's going to be the guy we always hoped he would be, a one or a two with this electric lightning stuff and can figure out how to pitch more efficiently. But I do think we can see him be a decent fourth or fifth starter because of what he's added with this cutter. Uh, I mean, he's still going to be mind-numbing at times, but you'll accept that out of a fourth or fifth starter, not out of a first, second, or a third.
1: I love the way that he turned it around. Go ahead, Frank. So,
0: so I'm just I'm just going to ask, though, where is the opportunity for Vince Velasquez to, to start? So let's 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 break down what this rotation is probably going to be. Right. So Aaron, Nola, of course, firmly implanted opening day starter. No coronavirus concerns. No. Remember, actually, the beginning of the season that was supposed to be the beginning of the season. He was going to miss it with the flu. Uh, so no flu either. Aaron is there, period. Behind him, Zach Wheeler. Obviously, they spent a lot of money on him. He's number two. Number three still got more Jake Arrieta for one more year, and we're kind of hoping that the that the one year nature of this deal and the fact that it's sixty games and not a full season it means you're going to have a nice healthy productive Jake Arrieta for the year. Behind him, Zach Whe- uh, Zach Wheeler. Too many Zachs around, right? So Zach Eflin was already pretty much told we were told that he was basically the fourth starter, so that leaves one spot for Velasquez, Nick Pavetta and some other guy named Spencer Howard. So mm-hmm. if everybody is there, do do you even have a spot for Vince Velasquez? So, Hunter, why, why don't you let us know what you think about that?
1: Well, I think it's similar to what's happening with Phil Goslin right now. It seems like Phil Goslin we'll is, is earning his spot on the roster, right? Like with Vince Velasquez, it's almost as if he's earning a spot there. It's not a fallback where, oh, hey, we have to throw Vince Velasquez in the starting rotation because that's all we have. He's earning his way, and Joe Girardi's even saying it. You can't really deny what he's doing out there. So I feel like you have to find a spot for him if the manager is even saying you can't deny it. He is pitching really well right now.
2: I don't think finding a spot is going to be all that difficult. I mean, uh, we know that Zach Wheeler is eventually going to leave uh, for his wife having the baby. We know Jake Arrieta has struggled to
0: stay healthy.
1: Isn't Eflin in some sort of pain right now with some back spasms?
0: So yeah, Eflin has had some back spasms. The, the, the latest word is he's going to throw on Thursday. Uh, Joe Girardi last night said that he will throw Thursday, and then if there's a problem, well then then they'll then they'll deal with it. But but they're kind of going with with the plan right now that that Zach Eflin is indeed around. And and to
2: piggyback off that, it's not like Zach Eflin is uh, Dwight Gooden circa 1986. So I mean, like you know, he can struggle. Pavetta could continue to struggle or be inconsistent. I mean, there's. If you're pitching well, anything from a three five to a four ERA, there's room for you certainly as a fourth or fifth starter in any rotation. And so, even though, Frank, as you're saying, we know right now certain guys are earmarked for certain spots, that could all change within a day, a week, anything. So, uh, obviously, you know, I think, oh, I think in any staff, the fourth and the fifth spots are usually merit based. And if
0: Somebody's pitching really well enough; they'll get those. They'll get that spot. So, in a sixty-game season, especially, how how itchy is your trigger finger to try to move guys in and out of this rotation? Because you know, you say that the fourth and fifth are usually a little bit fluid. Is 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 that going to disrupt things if you just start, you know, pulling guys in and out? And and Spencer Howard, you know, maybe after a week when he gets his uh, service time uh, clock starting later, uh, maybe you know. Uh, you want to bring him into the fold, like then what do you do? Those questions, they they just answer
2: themselves, man. You know, like <laughs> the injuries happen, guys struggle. I think even though it's a different format, some of the old school principles and rules still apply. If you've got not a great staff, and you know beyond the first two, that you can say the Phillies just really aren't all that talented in their staff. Then whether it's a 60 game format or to me, a 182 game format, you just find the guys who are pitching the best and, and you play them, you know, you, and maybe in a 60 game format, you do ride that hot hand. So you are maybe a little bit more prone to get Velasquez in now before the rest of the league catches up to his cutter. Right. So maybe you do try to get him in there uh, as much as you can now and get the most out of him before the, the, uh, the proverbial coach turns back into a pumpkin.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. I think it'll all kind of flow into itself. You'll realize like as the season goes, there'll be certain situations where it just makes sense to throw in Spencer Howard that night or it makes sense to put in somebody else in the rotation. So I think it'll kind of work itself out. And also keep in mind, if someone does test positive, now they have to quarantine. Like we're talking about finding ways to get people in certain spots. There could be a time where someone has to go quarantine, and then that opens up a pitching spot in the rotation. You never know really what can happen in something like this, right?
0: Yeah, so the, perhaps there's the potential that you really need all seven of these starters along the way. Now, uh, Jeff, you mentioned Zach Wheeler. Uh, Zach Wheeler, he does have a child due uh, about the uh, end of the month, so it's pos- about that. it's very possible he pitches on day two, and then the baby's born, I don't know, the next day. <laughs> At least the Phillies will be at home and hopefully you can get to New Jersey. No problem. Uh, But, you know, they may they may not need that there. So I think what what they kind of did with the rotation was they have Vince Velasquez pitch behind Zach Wheeler this weekend with the idea that perhaps Velasquez could take that turn in the rotation the first time if Wheeler uh, is unable to pitch. So so what do you do then? So if you kind of have Velasquez as your backup plan, do you then start Velasquez later on? Or, or does does uh, does he does he has he pitched to, to the level that he has earned the right to get to get a start in these first five games, no matter what, because right now th- it's time for the decision. Well, that's a good point. I mean, if you're uh, and I, I think that what
2: you're articulating, Frank, is what was going through Joe Girardi's head as he like struggled to name even the opening day starter. You know, it, it was just like two days ago that he named Noah as the opening day starter. I joke that he consulted his list of other candidates and immediately made that decision. <laughs> um, I, I'm torn on this because you know labor is so unpredictable. You you don't want to save Velazquez for that emergency start when Wheeler is supposed to go when you could have started him the night before as your fifth starter, right? So I, I think that's the beauty of hat. Well, <laughs> beauty that's that's a, certainly in the eye of the beholder. But as we were talking about having guys who are both flex starter or reliever options whether it's Velazquez whether it is Pavetta um, Suarez if he comes back I think that that's and that's why I was a little surprised about a guy like Liriano getting caught I was surprised about all those veterans you know Storin, Liriano, Swarzak, Bud Smith um, not making the team because you would have we we talked about the value of having some of those swing uh, arms who could do both but uh, clearly they're going younger and I've also said that I think that that's what's going to power teams in this, in this kind of format youth and exuberance and just, uh, you know, old guys are probably going to struggle a little bit with this, with this type of format.
1: How much of the decision for maybe Velasquez to go with um, the start for Zach Wheeler has to do with the fact that they play the New York Yankees after the Marlins. And maybe they want to get Jake Arrieta to pitch in that series. So you don't have to worry about Vince Velasquez going up against them. Although he did a good job in that first inning, striking out, Aaron Judge, Stanton, and Gary Sanchez. Why can I just kind of-
2: wait real quick? Can I just say my favorite part of that is uh, is is the the philosophy that hey, you've done a great job against the Yankees there, Vince Velasquez. Let's uh, instead of ending it there and having your confidence sky high, let's leave you in for <laughs> one extra batter. And oh, by the way, that'll be Aaron Judge. You could see the way he even approached that at bat. He was like, "Here, Aaron, just take it." And I think he was walking off the mound before the ball landed in, in right field. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, he, he was. Care. He knew. He didn't oh, he care. knew. Yeah.
0: Well, as it's constituted, Jake Arietta would miss the Yankees completely, right? So if he starts on Game Three, then the four games against the Yankees would not be Jake Arietta. So it would be the other. Well, I'd say the other four starters, but we don't. <laughs> it, could, it could be more than that, depending on. Oh,
1: so if Vince Velasquez did start that, Arietta still plays in that Marlins series, so it doesn't affect it, huh?
0: Right. So it, pro- it probably would be it would probably be Nola, Wheeler, Arrieta, and unless uh, Wheeler takes his paternity leave. Now, here's another possibility, too, that, that that is a real thing that they could do. They're looking to preserve the, the service time for Spencer Howard. But what they can do is if Wheeler all of a sudden is on the paternity list, you can bring on in Spencer Howard from Lehigh Valley. Start him and then option him back and then you know you, it's only a week's time right so you could option him back and then you know still have the rest of your guys in the rotation would you consider something like that
2: yeah i, think I don't so. know no yeah no. i just don't know if i want spencer i listen this is sometimes silly but i don't know if i want his first appearance in a major league game coming against the yankees
0: that's well,
2: is, could is be against the, well, the Marlins. Oh. oh, right, right. Well, no, that would I would actually like that scenario a lot yeah. better than than the other one. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. But going back to the whole um uh, Vince Velasquez maybe getting in the first weekend, is it possible where they go Nola Wheeler does make the start? Throw Vince Velasquez in for that third spot, and then Arietta does pitch against the Yankees because I've been hearing some things that it's possible Vince Velasquez is going to pitch in this first weekend, even if Zach Wheeler is in play. So
0: for that to happen, I, I guess I guess the Phillies would have to make sure they got past uh, the first weekend without a baby being born, right? I mean, <laughs> um, you know, that. So Jeff and I, we we both have kids. We know how fluid it is for the first child. I mean, my daughter was born like. I don't know, eight days after after her original due date or whatever. No, it's seven days after her due date, I believe. No, eight. Yeah. So this could drag on, right? Right, Jeff? Yeah. Yeah. I got stories and nobody wants to hear them. But they <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, you're right. It's it's an uncertain situation. But I think if you're Joe Girardi. You kind of have to plan accordingly. You just have to. I think what you have to do is, and and sounds like what he's got is plan A, plan B, and if neither of those work out because of labor, then you have. That's why you have your spot starters, and and thank God you're playing the Marlins in the first three games.
0: So (laughs) I know, I know, the Marlins a bit.
2: I know, I know. A lineup
0: with Corey Dickerson, Jorge Alfaro, and Sean Rodriguez could really do a number on the Phillies. I don't, I don't think you need to dismiss these Marlins.
1: (laughs) That seems like a heartbreak.
2: Well, this time the Phillies have Joe Girardi, a former Marlins, so the revenge factor works both ways.
0: <laughs> so, by the way, it, it, I just still I still laugh about that that, the, that Joe Girardi can manage the Marlins, win Manager of the Year, and get fired just just because of the personality of the owner. <laughs> yes,
2: or go to the Atlantic, uh, the Atlantic, go to the uh, ALCS when he wasn't expected to lose, and then get not having his contract uh, renewed. That that was interesting too.
0: So let, let's, let's make that a segue into this coaching staff, right? So we, we've, we've talked Joe Girardi and the value he brings, but what about Brian price? What what difference can Brian price make to this Phillies rotation, bringing in the guy that the Phillies wanted to get last time he was available, perhaps. And in fact, the reds uh, so that they could keep him made a manager <laughs> and the Phillies weren't able to, to, to nab him as pitching coach way back then, but he's here. He's got a tremendous track record pitching coach for the, Seattle Mariners in fact this, his experience goes so far back that he and Larry Boer were, were on the same uh, Mariners coaching staff once upon a time which is which is hard to believe that feels like forever ago uh, but also with the Arizona Diamondbacks and then the Reds uh, what difference will Brian Price make with this starting rotation well I, I mean I think the quotes pretty
2: much tell you everything you need to know right I mean Eflin was kind of outspoken on what he felt was a backwards way of setting up hitters, um, pitching. Well, wasn't it like the, the lab, Kepler and uh, Chris Young preached going up in the zone instead of down in the zone? And, and Brian Price is more of a be down in the zone kind of guy. So you have a completely different philosophy. And you even heard JT Real Muto kind of infer Uh, recently an interview saying something about how the computers are, or the lineup is going to be decided by someone with a lot of experience and not necessarily data driven or analytics driven. So I I think, well, I, I never got the sense that people hated Gabe or playing for Gabe, but I do think that they will have a healthier respect for the philosophies and the principles that go into coaching this year's team with, with Price and Girardi. And I do think they'll make a little bit of a difference. How, how that translates in games and wins. I don't know, but I do think, you know, Happiness and um, being on the same page is really important, especially in this kind of condensed format.
1: I always think about what happened with Zach Eflin last year with the whole downfall of things. And then he was saying pretty much he went with a whole different philosophy from what the coaching staff was teaching him to do. And that's when he found his rhythm once again. So. I always go back to that when it comes to what's going on with this pitching staff right now. Here's a guy that said, look, I'm going my own way, and he got back to his style of pitching that we saw in the beginning of the year before it went downhill. So from that perspective, I I do think it's going to play an important role.
0: And the shame of it was the Phillies had to fire Rick Kranitz to promote Chris Young because Chris Young was a target of the Atlanta Braves, and what do you know? The Atlanta Braves hire Rick Kranitz – and win the National League East. So I, I think figure. I think the way the whole setup happened, I think it just left a really bad taste in the mouth of a lot of the pitchers. And, you know, every single one of them, I you know, uh, certainly throughout the course of, of spring training and summer camp, everybody's asking, how do you like Brian Price? How do you like Brian Price? All five starters that were there last year really sing the praises of Brian Price. Or I guess it would be six, technically, if you talk, if you, I guess, Piveto Velasquez. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, Zach. Zach uh, Wheeler was not there, but he also sung his praises. But a lot of, lot of very positive words coming from everybody in the rotation. And uh, if you remember last year, Matt when the Athletic, he had that scathing piece about how the Phillies, uh, you know, rolled the dice and rolled it wrong on on Chris Young. And so it's it's it seems like a distant memory. And the Phillies had actually offered Chris Young a spot in the in the organization uh, going into this year. Uh, ultimately, deciding to take a job with the Cubs. Instead. So can you credit Brian price for Vince Velasquez picking that cutter up? I think that's something tangible, right?
2: I would hope so. I mean, I would think so. I mean, that's the kind of the job of a pitching coach and, and certainly pitchers are always trying to learn new things. I mean, you, you see this a lot uh, where p- good pitchers kind of add to their rep- repertoire. It happened with Nola a couple of years ago. Uh, where they just add a pitch and it can make the difference between being good and great. I I actually see I'm working. I'm more interested to see what kind of impact he has on Wheeler because Wheeler is a very good pitcher um, for the most part compared to Velasquez, who's been inconsistent because to me, when you go back to the fourth inning of that Orioles game and you kind of saw the Wheeler that like really frustrated Mets fans for a while. I mean, he, he, Chris Davis is the leadoff hitter. Chris Davis can't, you know, he's basically swinging a newspaper for the last three years and, Wheeler has such effortless, great, commanding, powerful fastball stuff, but he starts him off with breaking balls on the corner. And he starts nibbling around the plate. Then, you know, So he walks Davis, and then he walks the next guy after almost hitting him, and then he gives up a base hit. And if you watched his pitching sequence, it was starting off a lot of guys with breaking pitches and nibbling around the plate. And this guy has just too good of stuff to be nibbling. He's got to go after hitters. So I hope – of anything that we stop talking about Vince Velasquez and what can be done with him and focus on a guy like Wheeler, who if he were to make the same kind of jump up that Velasquez, well, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I mean, either. Okay. I'm just saying like, if you can take Zach Wheeler and improve him, the 10 or 15% better that we're all hoping for Eflin or Velasquez, then you can get yourself a, a guy who's now like right up there with no, like almost a Cy Young candidate. And that gives you a really strong, one, two punch.
0: And Wheeler did look really good the last couple of years. I will say after he came back from, from that uh, injury, I guess it was 2018. If you remember the Phillies were trying to get him at the trade deadline because there were some rumors that they might move Wheeler Mm -hmm. then. And then uh, ultimately they kept him and they got pretty good dividends the last year and a half.
1: Yeah. The thing is with him is it's about the second half. And with the 60 game season, you don't really know. Is this technically the the second half? So he'll have all 60 games of greatness or, do we get good Zach Wheeler around game 40?
0: And we tend to know him too well, right? We've seen him pitch a lot over the last several years, except for the the two years he was out with an injury, of course. So, But I think that has a lot to do with it, too. Just having a healthy Wheeler, you know, he really seemed to show that he was healthy the last year and a half. I, I think that that will go a long way as well.
1: Yeah, and most you talked about the... Uh, the the one inning against Chris Davis and walking guys with Vince Velasquez it's funny that first inning he had he threw 25 pitches and you're thinking are you kidding me he starts off by hitting Lemayhu, and you're like wow (laughs) all this hype about Vince Velasquez but that was kind of the inning that describes what he has been so far this season and he strikes out Judge and then he allowed a single then he strikes out Stanton and then he walks Hicks and you got bases loaded for Gary Sanchez but after that 48 pitches for his final four innings, so he really did change it around big time, but that first inning, after all the hype, I'm scratching my head going, oh, come on, Girardi, you got me sucked in just by talking about it and we can't even get anything good out of him. Hey, he shut me up.
2: I I felt you like uh, rattling in your chair from, uh, well, now you're practically my neighbor, so from about 10 miles away. (laughs)
1: Yeah, you can hear it. The trees are starting to blow in your backyard. You're like, God damn, Broads is pissed off tonight.
0: Yeah, first inning blues already. <laughs> so we talked about the rotation a little bit. Now, obviously, not everybody's going to be able to pitch every time. What do you think of of Nick Pavetta, the reliever? Obviously, some of these guys might have to contribute in the bullpen. What, what are your What are your thoughts on whether or not they have the ability to do such a thing? I just don't
2: know what the best role for him is. He's obviously not going to be thrilled being a reliever because he wasn't thrilled about it last year. Maybe his, his attitude has changed. I feel like he could be an effective long man, but a long man is like, you know, that's not an important role anymore (laughs) unless you're just a terrible team like the Orioles. But, um, I, I, so he's one I really struggle with. You may want to keep his usage as a reliever down because you may need to use him, you know, when these, these games, you know, they're going to have a a long stretch of games with no days off. They're going to probably have some double headers. Some games will get rained out. You may need to use him as
1: a spot starter. Yeah, he bothers me. He's a hate-the-face. I just can't stand him. Uh, But in terms of the reliever, I just don't know if that's a role that he fits. And with his pitches, right, and his pitch selection, you would think, all right, well, this is what he's got. got, He's got the fastball, and he's got the off-speed curveball, really. And other than that, he's a two-pitch pitcher, really. So can he work in the bullpen, you would think. I don't know. I just don't know if he has the mental capacity to do it. You have to have a different mindset when you're in the bullpen, and it just seems like he doesn't have the proper mindset to be a guy who's coming out of the bullpen.
2: Maybe he could be the closer after Narist blows three of his first five save opportunities. I don't know.
0: I I don't think he profiles well (laughs) as a closer. I, 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 (laughs) I don't either, but... You know how I feel about Hector, <laughs> but if, but if Pavetta if Pavetta doesn't make it as a starter like that, but you you bring up a good point. Then what? You don't know. <laughs> like like I think I think he's a big wild card here because you know he's he's clearly got a lot of talent. You don't want to just ditch him, right? I mean you can't you can't just say all right, well you're off the team, right? I mean that there's he's he's got to play some every pitcher right now is in a valuable role for a team when you're talking this this amount of a season, correct? Yeah,
2: yeah, and this is where I trust Girardi because he had to confront a lot of these situations as the Yankees manager, and he was always excellent at handling his staff and his bullpen. And uh, obviously, the Yankees are a team that stockpiles talent. I know that he has used pl- pitchers before who were starters in relief roles and found effective ways to use them. So maybe he's not a long man. Maybe he's, uh, you know... Your right-hander for the eighth, maybe he's one of your top hold guys, and you do wind up having a lot of usage out of him. And you decide you're not going to use him as a spot starter. You'll use Suarez instead when he's healthy or somebody else. So I do. I don't know the answer, but I kind of trust Girardi to figure out the best usage for him.
0: And that really underscores the shame of of Ranger Suarez not being around. Uh, I wish we had more information because you know he is somebody who really pitched well out in relief last year. He made a couple spot starts the year before, but but someone who went 6-1 and one with a 3-something ERA, I mean, that, that's pretty helpful, uh, especially at a roster like this.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, there was a lot of debate about him maybe even cracking that lineup in the beginning, the starting rotation. So to see him not even be able to be out there to show something for it, and we talk about how the, all these guys have earned their ways either into the starting rotation or on the – roster in general he was one of those guys that could have at least been out there to prove hey I deserve to be in here and then we could be having a discussion of wow we're so overwhelmed with all these starting pitchers what are we going to do but it's a shame he can't even you know get out there on the field to be able to do that right now
0: well a lot of this will affect how the Phillies roster is constructed when we come back we're going to talk about the roster construction some surprises over the last week about players who did not make the team we'll break them down after this This is the Powder Blue Podcast. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher, Hunter Brody. Welcome back to the Powder Blue Podcast. This is Frank Close along with Jeff Mosher and Hunter Brody. The Phillies are putting a roster together. The roster is finally coming together. The rosters are due on Thursday at noon, so the the final pieces are kind of falling. number of surprises over the last week, right? We've we've talked a lot about pitching. Let's start with that. Now, some of these names we knew were not going to probably be on the major league roster, uh, the Phillies sent uh, Mauricio yovera uh, Robert Stock down to the I say down, I guess it's up to the alternate camp. What's the official name for Allentown right now? The alternate spring camp location kind of place. Isn't it just taxi squad or is that something? Taxi different? squad are the three guys that get to, oh, to be in uniform. Three, right. yeah, yeah, so they'll probably have Davey Gruyon and two other guys, uh, you know. Right. And, well, who knows? They might be on the taxi squad, uh, but um, but Francisco Liriano, I, we 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 talked about him before on this podcast. I, I really liked it when the Phillies signed him. I watched him pitch last year in Pittsburgh, and I thought he was the guy that the Phillies should have tried to trade for last trade deadline. They didn't do it. Veteran lefty, nice job at the end of the game. He's granted his release. Uh, I, I'm kind of surprised about that. What did you think about that, Jeff?
2: Yeah, I was surprised. Um, I, you know, <laughs> Uh, it's all, it's a little disappointing. I don't want to sound like a hypocrite cuz I have I've said, you know, that I do think the younger teams are going to flourish here, but I at the same time, you know, given the questions that this team has in the pitching staff, when we started doing this podcast months ago when spring training was like a real thing, you know, we were excited about the idea of either Liriano or um, you know, whether it was Drew Storm or Bud Norris or Anthony Swarzak. They brought themselves some veterans to really upgrade that bullpen and not one single one is going to be on the team and neither will be Josh Harrison, another veteran who they brought in. Now they will have Neil Walker, but, um, I, I don't know. I just thought that Liriano was going to be someone who could come in here and really be a leader, make an impact, you know, a smart pitcher, a crafty pitcher. He's been around for a while. Someone that the younger pitchers could look at. And, uh, you know, the fact that he's not on the team to me is a little disappointing. Now I get it. I know there's money involved and, um, the, the the Phillies are very close to the luxury tax, and if they had to keep some of those guys, they may have to get rid of others, and that's not great. But, you know, I, I just think that that would have been a nice marriage between what Liriano brings and the way that Girardi has handled bullpens with veterans in the past.
1: The problem is, the alternative to me isn't something that you can rely on. So you kind of get rid of somebody who is experienced in this league. And relievers could be year to year, no doubt about it. But you have somebody who is at least experienced. And now you're just going to throw in a lot of young guys to the fire and you just don't know what you have out of them at all. And then you bring up the financial part, which is the reason why they did this at the end of the day. And you bring up the luxury tax. The whole luxury tax situation bothers me a bit because you know John Middleton has spoken about wanting to win in the past, and he obviously threw a lot of money out to Bryce Harper, and I don't question that he cares about winning. I don't know if all owners out there care about winning, kind of like what's going on with the 76ers up top, but that's another discussion for another day. But then you talk about the luxury tax, and he's like afraid to commit over there. So it's just a weird mix of messaging that somewhat... I don't know, I question at times. But is it really about money? I mean, this
0: yeah, the Phillies are probably going to be up against a luxury tax. And one of the reasons being the fact that they're going to still consider the full salaries that the players were supposed to get for the entire year. But when you add four extra roster spots, even if they are, you know, people making the minor league minimum, I mean, the major league minimum, that's basically what you were going to pay Liriano. So you're paying four players what one would make if, if Liriano made the team. So so I suppose that is – that is there, there's a chance it could be financial. But let me ask you this. So Cole Irvin, he was, uh, he was still hanging around yesterday at, at camp, and he's still around. Cole Irvin might be the type of long man that you mentioned before that you might need, right? He's a lefty. Uh let's say one of these these starters doesn't really work out. You know, essentially if you pick Cole Irvin, who is not not the most tremendous major league pitcher in his in his young experience, but does it make more sense to have somebody like Cole Irvin from the left side than it does Francisco Liriano?
1: I don't Ooh. really think so. See Cole Irvin <laughs> to me I don't see how. <laughs> yeah, I don't see how either. Cole Irvin to me, I, I just don't think he throws hard enough in this league. You know, you can't throw seven miles per hour and get by. So I feel like he just doesn't have enough to really be effective and to be a long man. Like if you're telling me I'm sitting down watching the game and I see Cole Irvin who's got to come in for four innings, Moshe's house is coming down.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean you can you can throw like that if you can paint, and I haven't seen Cole Irvin paint <laughs> consistently outside of that. What what was that? That one start where he faced Cole Hamels in Chicago, right? Where he was unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah, he did have a nice outing. Yeah, but no, I I can't. I'm I'm not gonna sit here and get inspired by the idea of Cole Irvin as a long man. Not that we would get inspired by anybody, but I kind of I just don't know the roles of these guys yet. I'm very curious. Like, who is who's your eighth inning guy right now? Is it? Dependent on whether you're facing a more right-handed or left-handed lineup because you have a couple of lefties now who are, who are pretty decent. You know, I like the lefties. Yeah,
0: Jose, Jose Alvarez did a great job last year I, in that I, role. Yeah, Adam, I like Adam Alvarez.
1: Morgan did as well. You know, yeah, Adam Morgan, Morgan actually had an awful year two years ago, and then he was phenomenal last year for a long period of time. You've got, right, two, there you know, are you've to-
0: got two reliable lefties towards the end. Now, sure. now Tommy and, Hunter, I'm sure, is probably the, the right-handed answer still right now. Yeah, and that's, you know... <laughs>
2: I mean, he's, he's been, he's like one of those year to year guys. Sometimes he's good. Sometimes he's, eh, you know what I'm saying?
0: And maybe, you know, Pavetta gets thrown into that role. I don't know. Um, See, I'm going down the list. You know, you have Nerys, Alvarez, Morgan, Hunter. Those are the four locks, right? So if you're, if you're going to have a bullpen that has, you know, even four more names on it, uh, Arano. What, what kind of, what kind of pitchers do you need? I mean, I, I think I, I feel like you do need somebody who can give you some length as they like to call it, like a, yeah, and Irvin is probably your best bet out of that whole bunch. No, I'm. I, I mean, are we also con-
2: considering Pavetta then? In that yeah, kind of, that is role?
0: probably there. I so think I'd you-
1: rather have Pavetta than Cole Irvin. Yeah, I well, think you probably so, have too. both.
2: But I'm saying we're, we're going with who you going to first, right? I mean, if you're maybe facing a really predominantly left-handed team, maybe you would consider uh, Irvin. But I mean, I, I just I'd take my chances with Pavetta. For as long as I could.
0: Now, here's the other thing too. They have these other names around, like Reggie McClain, was somebody they they uh, acquired in the offseason. season. Deolis Guerra, um, who you probably you probably don't know much about these names just yet, but they're but they could be right. they could I think be guys. McClain that...
1: got rocked for his first it... pitch. Might have been his second pitch, but I think it was the first pitch. He got destroyed.
0: <sighs> he did. It was planted right. <laughs> it
2: was. Uh, what, what was the Yankee first baseman? Right, I forget who it was. Craig Bird. Was,
0: uh, was it Greg
1: Bird? No, it was like the um, backup first, basically. Yeah, yeah, we're not, to we're the... not even going the starting lineup at that
0: point. <laughs> yeah, it was it was not pretty. But yeah, it, it's 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 kind of hard to put this bullpen together. Now, here's the other thing, too. And and, and this is gonna drive into our, our discussion on the, the rest of the roster. When you start adding Liriano, you add any of these guys that were not on the roster, if you add Spencer Howard, if you add Alec Boehm, if you add um, who am I forgetting? Um that we just mentioned. You know, a lot of these guys that aren't Phil on the 40 man roster. Gosselin? yeah. Yeah, I Phil goslin could, could mm-hmm. be oh, could be one. There's there's so many guys that are not on the 40-man roster, they're gonna start making room for these guys. Like, yeah. Could could that be a consideration as well? Or do you just say, Well, look, I love you, Francisco Lariano, but I, I can't afford to give up Damon Jones, who I think is a prominent lefty that could, could help the Phillies maybe even this year, if 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 you know, maybe if not this year, next year. Like, There's going to yeah, be some tough decisions
2: here. You can't be holding on to Reggie McLean, though, and then saying, sorry, Larry, I know
0: I may have to call yeah. up somebody else. Reggie and, 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 McLean might was, not stick around.
1: Yeah, the McLean-Homer was oh, the true. Orioles game, I think, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, because that Ford was the one that hit the dinger to tie mm. the game up in the ninth. I think McLean went in on the Orioles and got destroyed by someone over there. Oh, like, maybe
2: it was that. That's right. Somebody else got destroyed by the uh, by Ford, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but Blake Parker maybe he's in the mix. I mean, he was on the oh, roster yeah. last year, uh, so so the Phillies have have some guys. But the problem is you can't add them all to the roster. I mean, you know you want Spencer Howard and Alec Boehm, right? Those are two spots. Neil Absolutely. Walker we already know made the team. He takes the only open spot there is. So there's two guys already you got to cut from your organization. And mm-hmm. how 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 much further do you want to go to cut players to 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 have these? Veteran types that might be around for just a little bit,
2: right? But that's almost like that would be like managing as if you didn't expect players to get injured and go on the injured list to create spots for guys to come up. I mean, you can't. I, I can't. I don't think that they operate with that kind of th- the mindset. They uh, any any management has to understand that there's always going to be opportunities for players to come up without having to release players. I, and I just think that when when you have someone like Liriano, who brings what he does, you then you make exceptions for a guy like that.
0: But how good was he? Can you get that I guess that's the tough thing to know. Like I've watched, I watched him pitch in, in Clearwater. I didn't mm-hmm. get to see him live this time around, but but maybe he just didn't have enough. Uh,
2: you know, yeah. But then you're telling me that he didn't have enough and Swarzak didn't have enough and Storin didn't have enough. And I'm very, and very but honest.
0: <laughs> I, I watched Bud Norris. I watched Storin. I watched uh, Suarez. I watched Liriano. None mm-hmm. of the veterans really wowed
2: me. Isn't that kind of a common veteran thing in training camp, though? Like, they're not going to wow you, but they're just getting themselves ready to go for the grind.
1: Yeah, maybe it's like like I can buy that
2: for one guy, but not the entire crop of veterans that they all stink all of a sudden. Yeah,
0: you know, what? but of those of those four we just named, the only one that really pitched really well last year was Liriano. Like, Liriano did have a really nice year as a lefty bullpen arm for Pittsburgh. In fact, I was surprised that they that he couldn't get a major league deal, you know, from the start, but. But maybe that's Agreed. telling. I mean, maybe maybe working out for teams, he just didn't show enough. Now, again, this 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 has been really hard. And I, and I think I said this on the Sports Bash yesterday. It's been really hard to really get a sense of who some of these guys are because you watched them for a little bit, right? November or November, March twelfth, it's just shut down. And then what we're watching now, what are we watching? Like these scrimmages, <laughs> can they really tell you anything about who a player is? Can no, they? You know, no. So I, and then. That's where I think
2: maybe the organization itself is just trusting Joe Girardi's judgment on bullpens because he's been so good at handling them. In the and past. Brian Price, right? I mean, and the, Brian th- Price, the two of yeah. them.
0: Like, I mean, I'm sure if if Brian Price says to somebody, "Look, I I love this guy, but I don't know what he has in the tank," is is that uh, is that yeah, is that enough take to, that to say? Heart.
1: Yeah, I think you could put some stock into this stuff though, because you know there are guys fighting for their lives out there. So when they are pitching and they know, hey, I'm pitching for my job, even if it's an exhibition game against the Yankees, you know, you they are putting their full efforts out there to make this team. So I do think that you could take some things out of it. It doesn't mean it's the world, you know. Maybe like Reese Hoskins switching up his batting stance once again, things like that. You could take some stock out of it oh god yeah don't get me started on reese i am so down on reese i remember Mosh. i think two years ago me and you were on 97.3 filling in on the sports bash and i didn't Mm -hmm. want to trade reese for a pitcher and you said look you can find another first baseman who can hit homers and i'm like no you got reese hoskins and now i am so low on reese it's unbelievable so I apologize. So I win, right? I apologize I won? Okay. for that Thank conversation.
2: <laughs> if I can well, only remember what pitcher we were talking, I think, I think unfortunately it was though. Yeah. But then we had a few guys, I think, uh, who's the Detroit Tigers left-hander that um, Boyd. Uh,
1: Boyd. Oh, it yeah. was Boyd. Yes. I think that's a good call by you. That was definitely yeah. in the conversation.
0: Eh, yeah. I don't know. If Boyd's good enough for, for someone like that. You know, I, I feel like, all right. So, so Hoskins did talk to us yesterday in the way that you do spring training, which is really weird or summer camp or whatever you want to call it. It's really, really weird because we're sitting in the press box and then he zooms into us from, from downstairs. <laughs> so you, you can't talk to anybody. You just got to watch with your binoculars and literally they're, they're all bringing binoculars and we're like, all right, who the heck is the guy in right field without a, without a name or number on his back? And it's Nick Martini. But, um, <laughs> so, so, uh, Reese, Reese did talk to us yesterday and, um, he kind of describes his batting stance as a hybrid stance, okay? So, here's how he here's how he describes it. So, and let's be honest here. He's had four hitting coaches in his young career. Is that normal for any young major league player?
1: Probably, uh, probably for that. like
2: guys who come up through the Marlins or the Padres or other organizations that are constantly failing, it's probably not that uncommon. But probably, probably, I wouldn't say it's the uh, traditional way of going. Yeah. So he
0: it. comes up. Matt Stairs is the is the hitting coach, and then that quickly changes because in the Capler era, along came John Maley. He gets fired, perhaps because of Hoskins. <sighs> Charlie Manuel's in for a little bit, and now you have Joe Dillon. So. He really has not had some stability in, in giving himself some um, some leadership here, right? So he, what he said was, when we talked to him yesterday, he, just, he used the word hybrid a lot. He says he has a hybrid stance that he put together in the offseason and in conjunction with Joe Dillon. So, you know, he says, well, you know what? I was going well in spring training, but the pandemic hit and I was unable to get some live reps. Since we got back, it's turned more of a hybrid, a hybrid between those changes and what I've done in the past. So, so I think for a hitter like this, comfort's going to go a long way, right?
1: I wonder, though, if he is overthinking everything in terms of hand placement and all that already once again. I remember reading a huge piece on The Athletic over the summer, and he was – showing how he was specifically changing his stance and what he was going to do. And he put videos out there. And I was like, wow, Reese is really putting a lot into this. And now we're still in summer training. And he's already talking about putting his hands back to where it was. And I, I just feel, you know, he is upstairs thinking about so much already, already. And that doesn't seem like a recipe for success to me.
2: I'm going to echo Hunter's sentiment on this. It did concern me to hear him say that, you know, I spent a lot of time earlier in my journalism career covering minor league baseball. And I was able to spend a lot of time around Sparky Lyle, the uh, great former reliever for the uh, New York Yankees. And Sparky always said to me when a pitcher starts struggling and, in, you know, he starts, the pitcher starts referring to like arm slot and arm angle as a real problem and trying to find it uh, the, the arm slot and the arm angle that they used to have or the release angle. Then he says, then you know you've lost him because he's now so micro focused on little things like that that are going on in his brain and not just out there relying on instinct, relying on natural mechanics and things that it becomes very hard to pull that guy out of the abyss. And I just I hope I'm not going to use that and say everybody who's speaking the way Reese Hoskins is speaking is lost, but I I'm that would be my fear and I hope that that's
0: not the case. Well, here is here is what Hoskins said about the abyss. As you said, he said, you know, I found myself getting a little bit too mechanical in some of these inter-squads and exhibition games. I talked to Joe Dillon and the rest of the staff and we've thought that the work we have done over the last 5 or 6 months was going to help with something I was already familiar with. So so maybe it's even Joe Dillon the new hitting coach who worked under Girardi's old hitting coach and 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 certainly You got a good letter of recommendation from Kevin Long. Is he helping people find that comfort? Maybe that's maybe that's the very important task of this new hitting coach is making him feel comfortable. And he said and get him to think, oh, I was getting too mechanical. I just need to relax.
1: Absolutely. I have two things I want to bring up about Reese. And I'll start with this. I want to get your opinions on it. So you saw this happen with Carlos Santana when he was here as well with the whole walks. And people got frustrated with the walks for someone like Carlos Santana who you really wanted to rake at times. But with Gabe Kapler's philosophy, it just seemed like – He just overvalued the walk sometimes. I feel like when you are a cleanup hitter, people are going to pitch around you because they don't want you to smack the ball. So walks are inevitable. I get it. But with someone like Reese, I feel like it's a very similar situation to what happened with Carlos Santana where you look at these walks where it's over 100 and, wow, look at his OBP. It's great. But Reese is supposed to be up there smacking, and it seemed like there were times where he was genuinely going up to the plate saying, I want to walk this at-bat is that a Gabe Kapler thing? Do you think that changes here or, or am I way off with the whole overvaluing the walks? How do you feel about that with Reese? Well, I think, I, I think that,
0: see, I, th- I think that the tacticians that came in last year, just, it, it just didn't resonate with the players. I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like too often the players said, I got to throw out what I've done and that's what made them successful. And then and as Jeff was just saying it gets in their head. So I, th- I think that had a lot to do with it. I mean, instead of just being relaxed and, and and playing the game, right? You know, it, so I I, th- I think I think the challenge of these new coaches, and luckily these coaches, pretty much all of them existed in a world before all these numbers, mm-hmm. uh, and And while they do use them, they seem to give the the player the confidence that, oh yeah, well you're doing this great. So uh, hey, why don't we mix this in rather than well, you know, we have to take an entirely new approach to, 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 to how we're going to approach our bats. And I, I think that's that's where things things kind of went south for this Phillies team the last two years. Yeah,
2: I would agree with that. I think walks are, are very good, except when you're walking at the expense of not swinging at drivable pitches. If you pass up on a couple of good pitches because you know that you're, this nibbler is going to walk you and you pass up on the opportunity to hit the ball you know, really hard, uh, then that's a bad thing. And so hopefully that that's that's not what happens with this uh, this Phillies team. Man,
1: and here, they, here, here's my second thing real quick on Reese. If he does become someone like Joey Gallo from a couple years ago where he's hitting 206 in that ballpark, I'm just giving hypothetical numbers, hits 42 home runs, strikes out 200 times and walk 80 times, is that something that you can work with with Reese Hoskins? Close to 200, but he's giving you 40-plus homers.
2: Well, then it just depends on the strength on the, of the, the offense around the player. You can compensate for that. I mean, that's like Edwin Encarnacion, right, for, for the Yankees, who was on a really good team. But that's because they had a lot of good, well-rounded hitters around him. I don't know, other than Bryce Harper, if the – I think the Phillies tend to have a little bit too many of those fe- – you know, Didi can be a feast or famine guy. Uh, we've seen in stretches of his career, Scott Kingery be a feast or famine guy, although I think he's going to really put it together this year. I, I suspect, but, uh, Bryce Harper is a well-rounded hitter. So that's good. Uh, JT well-rounded. So it's, it's, it's a mix. I think, uh, I, I just don't know if this lineup is good enough top to bottom to survive one of your better four five, six guys being that kind of a player.
0: Well, I think, I think the book is still kind of out on him. I, I, I know we've seen a lot of really good things from Reese Hoskins, but uh, there's, there's, he's still going to write his own ticket. I think, I think this, this year is kind of pivotal for him, right? I mean, uh, to your point earlier, you know you can find a first baseman with pop anywhere. Like I, you know, imagine if the Phillies had Carlos Santana last year. Like I, I know he didn't go over well with fans, but but he's been a really good player for a really long time, and uh, 4.6 WAR last year. You know, even if you want to talk about some of the the, the new numbers, um, giving you 34 home runs for the Indians. Like he's he's a nice player, and you know what? Next year you could sign him as a free agent if you want.
1: Or Mookie Betts. What?
0: Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, as we were saying last week, a lot depends on what happens with JT. If the JT doesn't sign, maybe they got money for some uh, Mookie Betts type uh, type signing. So, so we will see. So, any final words as we head into Opening Day? Give me Jeff Mosher your your one minute assessment on how the Phillies are going to do this year. Um, I think they are going to be
2: a 32 win team. So, what would that be? The 32 and
1: 28. Uh, did Vegas have it at 31 and a half? I could be wrong. I, it's super close to that if I am wrong, but good good pick by you. I guess you're going the over if that's the case.
2: Yeah, but I would say, uh, and maybe this is over, uh, they have a chance to be more of a 34 to 36 than being a 27 to 30, What I'm say, is what, I'm, what I
1: feel. No, that makes sense. Um, I think that they're going to be competitive because the NL East is going to be competitive. So the Braves, Nationals, Mets, and Phillies, I think are going to beat up on each other a bit. But I just don't think that they have enough, essentially, to get into the playoff. So it's going to be another year of no playoff baseball. It's been, whew, I think, before Christ. No,
2: <laughs> for you, since you probably weren't born in two thousand eight, nine,
1: oh, come and ten. On. I saw the World <laughs> Series.
0: He was in diapers, but he saw the World yeah, Series from his crib. <laughs> no way.
1: I was uh, what, thirteen then. Yeah, oh, God. five plus uh, eight, yeah, thirteen.
0: Math is hard. It is. Well, I'll say this: I don't like what I'm seeing of the Braves. I don't like what I'm seeing of the Mets, Nationals. Meh. I think the Phillies have a real shot at winning this division this year. Thirty-six wins. That's my prediction.
1: Oh, well, all right. I almost fell off my chair.
2: It's just I like how he just met the Nationals, yeah. the defending world meh. champions.
1: The Braves Too many is guys. reasonable, though. Braves is reasonable. They're going through a yeah, lot Yeah, oh, the Braves stuff. are hurting. Oh, yeah. big time. I mean, it is nonstop. Every day, you refresh something. They get Puig. Okay, well, Puig has deposit. They didn't even sign him, and um, it is crazy. No Cole Mark- Hamels. Yep, no yeah. Cole Hamels. Marcakis opt-out, and it's just wild. I,
0: I, I, I think this it. year <laughs> this year will be the beginning of the Max Scherzer decline. I Did think you that's see, cool. by
1: the way, real quick, that Braves Marlins game last night. It was eight to one. Eight to one. And the Braves came back and won. Oh wow. That's yeah. incredible. Marlins. I'll tell you what.
0: <laughs> Marlins in mid season form. <laughs>
1: Ridiculous.
0: <laughs> and, and by the way, one thing too, Mike Fultonevich, watch that. He is he his velocity is down this year. People are saying, Oh, don't worry. You watch something's up with Mike Fultonevich, and the Braves can't afford to lose him, especially without Cola. Hamels and especially without Felix you know King Felix is is just he walked out of camp as well I don't know what he had left in the tank but but there's your backup option so this will be a very interesting National League East well that'll do it we've, we've been talking baseball for a whole show's worth of time we're going to have a lot more to talk about come next week but for now this is the Powder Blue Podcast Frank Close Jeff Mosher Hunter Brody happy opening day